This is the MDRT Podcast. What questions do you need to ask clients about income replacement? If they already have coverage, should you ask to see their policies? In this episode... Stephen Janoff from Bartons in Australia. Everett Fox, Richmond, Virginia. Brandon Green, Houston, Texas. Dana Mitchell, Toronto, Ontario. Discussed mistakes they've made regarding clients' income protection and what they learned. You know, for me, the classic one is just not asking. And if you don't bring up the discussion, then the conversation can't ensue or another advisor will ask. And then the, the second mistake, and I continue to see new advisors make this, is providing the top-of-the-line coverage as the only option instead of providing options that may be more sensitive to the budget and might be able to be worked in and then working from there to see if it makes sense and connect with them on what additional features and riders could be added. I think one mistake I I would say that I made, especially early on, was when someone said I have income replacement plans in place, not asking to see it. Because often people won't know exactly what they have, especially if it's offered by an employer. I remember the first time I saw one, the client was describing it and shared the premium with me and we all generally know what the premium should be and I thought it was just way off what what, what a coverage should cost and when they shared the plan with me it wasn't even income protection it was an accidental death and dismemberment program with a really tiny definition it would be very difficult to claim on it and when I shared and explained that plan with them it turned out they weren't covered and we ended up going back to that discussion and I think that that happens more than we'd like to imagine and I think when someone says they're covered take a look at it and if they're covered great but I think more often than not you'll see a lower amount of coverage a tighter definition or possibly a product that they think is what you're talking about but really is something else. Do you have to persuade someone to show that to you? Are they ever reluctant? No, I think there's a couple companies that exist that say that their benefits plans can't be sent out, mainly in the tech industry. And I said, you know what, no problem. These are the three questions I have, so you don't need to send me your benefits package. Just send me this formula. Send me these three numbers. So the only resistance is really on the confidentiality of some of the benefits plans that are provided, and they're very special and unique. But other than that, people are pretty happy to have someone take a look at it that actually understands it, and I don't see a lot of resistance at all. You're so right. I think clients often feel that just the word or that the name of the coverage implies that they do have full protection. And it brings to mind that that classic question, if something you absolutely knew to be true turned out not to be, when would you want to know? And we can't help clients understand that unless we review what they already have in place and explain to them how it would function. For me, it's not just about asking questions, it's actually about asking the right questions. So if in my earlier experiences, I think a lot of the questions I would ask would be very much leading to a yes or no response. And when you have a yes or no response, you are shutting down that conversation very quickly and you need to find a way to backtrack a little bit. So when you're changing the conversation to more of an open-ended question, so if it's a how or a why type of question, you're opening up the conversation with the client, you're increasing your engagement opportunities. And I think for me earlier on, it was a bit about me trying to get the sell by asking questions when in fact over time with my experience, what I found is I actually will have the clients selling on my behalf when I'm asking the right questions, when I'm creating the right hypothetical situations. And for example, most of the clients that I work with are in their mid to late 20s when we're talking about long-term coverage and the fact that they'll be working at least until age 65 or age 70, and then we discover that they have an existing employer-based income protection policy that only has a two-year duration, I then would 
draw that say on a whiteboard and explain that you have a two year duration but you're going to be working for the next 40 to 45 years do we have an issue here or do we have a gap here and every single time the client will say yes or they'll nod once i start to get a couple of nods along the way and a couple of yeses along the way i feel like i'm making good progress with the client and so rather than it being those close questions the open questions and that conversation really has increased my engagement over the years it seems like people in their 20s wouldn't always be excited to think about that they're absolutely not excited or interested to talk about that they are interested very much in building their wealth buying their first home maybe even putting a little bit of money into the share market because that seems to be an exciting thing to do. And so quite often what I'll find after having the conversation about those areas where they can build wealth and then talking to them about how they can sort of, uh, I suppose, look at their overall risk profile and look at the ways that they can reduce their risks, the responses are uh, very much along the lines of, I can't believe that I didn't even think about this myself. I'm so glad that you brought this up. If you hadn't brought this up, I probably wouldn't have even given it a second thought. And let's talk about the next step. Let's talk about how we can progress to the next stage and actually get the coverage that I need. What I like about what you just said is also we're all in the business of building businesses. So when you've found someone and you've educated them on a two-year benefit duration and you know that they work for in a particular industry, there'll be other people in that situation. So not only have you educated one person, but you've also found a market for potential referrals and, and others to help as well. So I like that a lot. Absolutely. I happen to be privileged to be working with a specialized group of medical professionals and one thing that is good and they can also work against you I suppose is that they do talk and they talk amongst themselves so if they are getting good advice from someone then they will tell their friends and tell their colleagues about that and I've been very privileged to have been introduced to so many through that particular process where they said oh my friend came in and my friend said there was something I should be talking to you about and and that makes the conversation so much easier and it's a really smooth process from there. I think not to say a mistake, but an opportunity would be constantly reviewing the income protection programs. I don't think I realized initially how often they should be reviewed. I mean, we do annual reviews or we call them periodic reviews with our clients, but I didn't realize how quickly people's income and situation can change and how those programs may need to be topped up or altered or maybe it makes sense of an own occupation definition where it didn't initially, where they become more specialized in what they do. So I don't I don't think I realized how many times when you set up that first policy there'll be more opportunities for enhancement and it happens a lot faster than you think. It doesn't take ten years where as I guess that was my initial thought it can take two or three and I look at my own family situation and how different things change quite quickly. I think initially when I first started out you know with the planning process and helping people with their financial future I really didn't focus so much on the solution. I think I was really afraid to get into the disability aspect not asking the question not being persistent about that being a part of the process, a part of the plan, but within the last two years, it's just a part of the process. This is a stone that we can not leave unturned. It's something that's that's there that we have to address, and if we don't address it, then they have to. Uh, the client has to take ownership of that decision. But if they do address it, then they're obviously you're empowering them to take ownership of that decision. Thanks for listening to this month's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes at MDRT Podcast. See you next time.